podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and welcome to another episode of Post-Conference Presser for Anfield Index. Ladies and gents, I'm your normal host, Dave Davis, coming to you from pretty dark, pretty miserable, even though you're supposed to be cheery, it's Christmas, but that's a lot of nonsense, Edinburgh, and looking forward to doing this one, talking through all the standard things as normal, so got Jurgen Klopp's Q&As, plenty to digest from that. We'll talk about the clues from the Sheffield United victory the other night. We'll talk about the threats that Crystal Palace may bring ahead of a, God, even should have say in this, don't you? The early Saturday kickoff. It's nearly as bad as hearing the mother-in-law's here, isn't it? It just gives you that Judder type of thing. We'll talk about the formation, the lineup, and we will go from there, ladies and gents. But let's get into it. So, Klopp's Q&A, an interesting one, just to sort of signpost it. You may well have seen it already, don't get me wrong, but seemed a bit prickly at times, seemed bullish at others. Maybe not the worst thing from the manager that way, but applied pressure in certain ways, I would say as well, and not snapped because people will go for that. But yeah, we'll come on to that at the end of his questions. So speaking of the pressure that he applied, First real question to call out was asked about John Matip. Is it the it was from Sky's Radio O'Connor natural? Last we seen of him in Liverpool shirt, his injuries, and yeah, yeah, the, et cetera, you know, how that will work. What did Jurgen say? Yeah, I'm pretty sure the club will show class as it should do when it normally does. The club have told told Joel, whatever happens, and with now, we have to make a decision with Joel and after that. Okay, kind of with that bit where he goes gruffly and talks under his hush voice a bit. But asked about the potential for a new contract. was a good follow-up question there. I would say so, but it's not my decision. This is the classic Klopp, apply the bit of pressure to see if I can get it, isn't it? And we've seen this before. We've seen it work with the, an old Hendo situation and when he threw his toys out the pram type of thing and then Klopp said, you know, no, we'll get that done to the press. We've also seen it mentioned of almost like a, not in exactly the same way for people to jump on this, but the GD situation where he doesn't get what he wanted. It's an interesting one, this. The sentiment could easily say, look how good Joel Matip's been this season. Yeah, absolutely, could probably is first choice alongside Virgin if everyone was fit for me at the moment based on form this season that's personal preference but compared to last year night and day he's been absolutely superb it's a gutting injury because of how important he's been it really is what has been evergreen and Indian summer however you wish to phrase it that's the positive 
Here's the negative. Joel Matip has a checkered injury injury history. Another word on. Yeah, checkered injury history. Joel Matip is not getting any younger. He's 32. By the time we're talking renewal at the end of the year, 33-year-old. A 33-year-old with a checkered injury history is not going to be more reliable. He's not going to be a prominent part of your plans. I love Joel Matip. We all love him. We love the no context Matip on Twitter. We love all the things we see. We love the slalom runs when he goes on the adventure. We love the reactions and his style. There's something you cannot be against Joel Matip. He's a love cult hero. Yes, Jurgen is right. We should give him a send off. We should give him a send off to show our love and respect at the end of this season. This is Liverpool 2.0. What's the biggest distinguishable apart from the relentlessness compared to last season? The ability to go to the end yet? And people are going to jump on me for this about saying, but availability with the injuries and stuff we've got, but not having as many crocs essentially, or people with checking injury, you know, they've been moving out. That's by its nature. I do think my head is telling me that is the right thing to do. Doesn't mean I don't love Joel Matter. Doesn't mean I want to, you know, ignore a send off. That's the right thing to do. But for Liverpool, it's the right thing, guys. Yeah, feel free when you see this to comment. But we'll see. Also asked about, you know, being top on Saturday. Good question. You know, it's natural to build the tension, build the pressure, whatever you want to call it. I like this. Because I don't feel that pressure from other teams. I want to win our games. Arsenal don't need extra pressure. They pay Aston Villa. That's enough of a job to do. Yeah, we have a job to do. Against Palace, let's be 100% focused. That's what we are and that's what we will be. Love these types of responses from Jürgen. Straight back, cover drive, down the ground for four type of job. Yeah, we're focused on us. Never mind worrying about all the things to do. Let them argue, let them trash it out, let them pick up points, beat each other with all that. All becomes a bit like at the weekend, feels a downer because of the early kickoff. If we don't beat Palace, the focus should 100% be on that. And then was asked, because, you know, the, the journal's trying to get it. It's the right questions to ask. You know, it's a thrilling battle. Could it be a real, you know, titanic struggle, as I said, for the top four? Again, love the way Jürgen dealt with this. I could, it does like this phrase at times. I couldn't be less interested in that. But it's unusual not for City to be top with 10 points between first and second. Arsenal's doing extremely well. Us, not too bad. Aston Villa are looking super strong and they were pretty impressive last game. United, I'm not really following, but no one seems 100% happy. So almost an interesting one. He kind of gave a commentary about not being interested in all the other teams, which kind of indicates an interest, but you take that how you will. I get what he's saying, though. Play it down. Let the other teams hype up. Let the Arsenal fans talk about how they're great, how they're going to win it. How they're... Let them do it. Never bodes well. Whatever's happening, the one thing you would say about City, and there's a lot we can say about Manchester City... They don't crow at this stage of the season. They don't crow when the 10 points clear. They're not crowing now or saying it's thing about behind. They know the real race or the real big things is to come. Look at Spurs, people. Spurs, when they beat us, their lights were flashing. They were dancing. The fans were going insane and the party and everything. And, and mate, everyone was great and happy, weren't they? This isn't trying to dig out Spurs fans, don't get me wrong. 
But we said at the time, didn't we? That's not what a big top team does who's competing for the trophies. They know nothing's won at this stage. They know it's three points, that's it, move on. Look what's happened to Spurs since. Ever since everyone started praising them, I talked about a title race. People are going to shout, start shouting about injuries. Well, we've got injuries too. A lot of teams have got a lot of injuries like Newcastle United, etc. It's a mentality thing. Jürgen dealt with this in completely, completely the right way. Yeah. That was asked naturally because they're still trying to sort of, you know, build a bit for the headlines. And I get it. Team progress, you know, how you doing? They said, you know, how do you feel you're doing when you're ahead of target? And he kind of a bit sarcastically said, you think I thought about where we want to be in December? Bit of a pause. And came back. I, I didn't think about it. Maybe that's my fault. But I wanted to create a basis early on in pre-season and early on to then have a real team where you have to overcome difficulties and deliver what we want. You know, we've not always been able to deliver that because there's been things like red cards, being down in games, and maybe we've... Oh, let me just clarify. And that's maybe speeded it up, but I've no clue against that. All I know is I'm happy with this development. Yeah, this. do you know what? They say you're a product of your circumstances. There's so much to love about the Liverpool 2.0. And I get where journalists are trying to go, you know, your head is scheduled because they don't want to get a genuine title race. That's all it's going to come down to, as you know. Jürgen is batting these away beautifully, guys. What else is he supposed to say? Yeah, we're in a title race. Yeah, we're focused on it. I don't know really what they expect him to say or we'd expect him to say any different, but he's dealing with it well. He's also recognising key markers at the same time, which is absolutely right. This Liverpool 2.0 is relentless. Look how many late goals. Even like Sheffield United, late goal. Even in the worst days, Luton, late goal. Newcastle away, late goals, plural. Fulham the other day, late goals for the winner. City, late-ish goal. This team goes to the end. That's part of what is defining this Liverpool 2.0. We love it. Let's not pretend. It's not always great, but it fights till the last minute. There's a relentlessness. There's a hunger. Never say die. All those types of things. So Jürgen's happy to reference that. And that, you know, that's pleasing. And maybe they've been tested as well, as he said, with the circumstances. Ten men, nine men, and some, for God's sake, VAR. We could talk about that, but we didn't. So that's how they're showing they're a product of their circumstances. So maybe they are a bit ahead of that, but he's never going to say the type, you know, I don't really know what people want him to say or would think he'd say different, but he answered it perfectly. This was take a step down the ground, six onto the next. Then he was asked a good question. BBD, you know, is he back to his best? Loved the way he answered this. There was a bullishness to it as well. It always was, or he always was, and always will be. Virg is the best defender in the world as well. Did he have lesser good spells? Yes. But show me one who never had that, and I'd be more than happy to meet him. So would we, Jürgen, so you can sign him. But the Rio, and I love the way you name check names from history almost here. The Rio Fernandes that apparently are on a different planet, or Yap Stam was great, or Sammy Hoopier as well. They were never always perfect. No one was, and no one ever will be. Yeah, and this is what I realised. Yes, Virgil is in that shape, and he's super, 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 fourth time, super important for us. 
got to love that from the gaffer, haven't you? Virgil van Dijk, the best defender in the world. Absolutely. If you don't, if you doubt that, you know, Arsenal fans and Salibas, and I'm not saying these are bad players, please don't get me wrong, but any argument that, nonsense, not interesting here. We're not even interested in getting to the debate. I'm talking about the best defender in the world. You could argue whether he's back to his best, and if you want to make silly comments like a Chris Sutton the other day, that's a different thing, but you're talking about the best defender in the world right now. Jurgen Wright as well. Was he brilliant last season? No. At times he was poor. You have to be honest about that. But, you know, the classic form is temporary, class is permanent. You're seeing it again. He's going to be crucial to us like he is and always was and always will be while he's here through if it's going to be successful. But I love that. I think it's a good nod to his captain. Just gives him a bit of a fill-up, a bit of a boost. And especially after the other night and how important the man of the match that he got awarded there, fair play. And then the question. Now, People will look at this and go, look who asked it. And I want to say this, honestly, I don't really care what anyone thinks of this. James Pierce asked it. People will then, when I say that name, you know, connotations, what I think you can react, feels whatever you want, and everyone's attached to that. Let me be clear on my take. James Pierce asked great questions in these press conferences. I don't really care too much how people feel about that. He often asks the questions, I think that's a good one to ask. People take that again a different way, not really fussed. He presses the button sometimes on the tough questions that need to be asked, which, by the way, is a journo's job. It's not always to be friendly and ask, you know, the, the great things. And it's not at the same time as other people say, if I was in the press conference, I'd ask Jürgen this and I'd tell him it's... No, you wouldn't, because you wouldn't be in the press conference in the first place. You wouldn't be a journalist in the press conference in the first place. This was a great question to ask about transfers with Matip, January, the impact. It was a great question to link it all together. So what was Jürgen's prickly, I'm going to say that, prickly response? In eight years, I've never understood why we talk about transfers is the easiest thing in the world. Like, we can just bring in a player like that with the money, not an issue, and always talk about it. You guys, you fans, and I really don't understand it. Tell me a club that wants to sell me a top, top, top centre-half. Tell me one. Not a centre-half but a top centre-half as we have to play or he has to play for Liverpool. Since four or five days where we know about Joel was out for a long time, we thought we have four centre-halves, which is all right. If we have five, maybe one is not involved. There'll be a question if we don't see the steps with him, etc. Is it now perfect? As long as you can go with them, yes. Otherwise, it's a bit more tricky. But it's never a wonderland, to use that word, wonderland, where we can bring in another one. And as long as clubs don't put one under the Christmas tree, I didn't really think about it yet. But it's only five days since that. And that's maybe the problem for people. Kind of got to the last bit at the end, which I'm sure you may well have heard the snippet, but I don't know and I don't think so, to be honest. That was the key back to the question about, do you think you'll bring one in in January? Jurgen Klopp saying at the end of that, that answer, which we'll come back to, I don't know and I don't think so. So you can take that from it. People will look at this in a couple of ways. Though, and they'll say, Jurgen Klopp, snapping the James Pierce. I'm not interested in any of that. This is what I'm looking at. This doesn't define anything, people. You can take it two ways. You can take it as, oh, yeah, he's definitely not signing anyone at all from what he's saying. He's saying unless someone gets injured, you know, at the four, which, you know, we can debate our chances of that. I'm not signing anyone. Close the window, forget it. That's how you could look at it. The other thing you could say is, he said this type of thing many a time before. By the way, 
He said it before, right before we signed Cody Gakpo. He said a similar, not quite as bullish as this thing before, before we we netted, should say, Luis Diaz at the end of a transfer window. He's come later, not before like this. It does, I wouldn't read a massive amount into it. Yes, and I don't think you call me a hypocrite on this. I've said before on a few pods, my gut is telling me there will not be much, if any, business in January. It's been a couple of centre-half links already, hasn't there, today at the same time. But what are you expecting Jurgen Klopp to say? Yes, we are, lads, we're short in numbers, we're in the market, I'm going to have to try and get a bargain. I'm not going to say that, because price has gone. I'm just going to say that anyway, because he's the manager of Liverpool. I don't really know why people are pouncing on this so much. As Jurgen's others have said, he'll look what value is in the market. They will look for an opportunity if it's there. If there's a player that thinks it's a good deal to get done, they will get it done. They will also now, probably the more prevalent question is what happens with Matic? Do we see an extension? Do we see a renewal? That for me is more interesting based on what he said and the pressure again that Jürgen has applied to the owners, the, the suits, the purse strings, whatever you want to call it. But with this, yeah, Jürgen sometimes says this and signs players. Jürgen sometimes says things like that and doesn't sign players. It's not really a definitive. Yes, you'll have your gut either way that this closes the book for you, bar injuries. No, no, you think it's a smokescreen. We're definitely going to say, however you wish to see it, it's a bit early to get hyped up on it all, considering we're the 8th of December and the window doesn't open for the 1st of Jan. Call me a hypocrite because I did a transfer show with Trev. I get that, and obviously we'll be discussing this more, but there's my take for you. And that was the questions, an interesting one, really interesting from Jürgen in this one. Then into Sheffield United. So let's look at the clues from the other night. I tell you, people, this was a potential banana skin for me. Bottom of the league, dross, away from home. How are we performing these? You think back to Luton. New manager bounce as well with Chris Wilder. We know the sort of cantankerous nature that he has as well against Klopp and the past history. So there are a lot of things that could just be banana skin there. Other things that people I don't think maybe fully factored in talked about, or, you know, this is a factor. We played Lask on Thursday, Fulham Sunday, and this on Wednesday night. This was a third game in six days. And the injuries had started piling up. Like City, Alisson, Jota, Fulham, that came as well, didn't it? So, we're, you know, we're losing players all the time. McAllister, even from the other night. Yeah. The injuries and things are just starting to mount up. You know, full and mat it. Honest thoughts on the performance? We seem to be in this period. We are not playing well, but we're getting results. Let's be honest. Kind of goes back to that City game. Since that last, since the Europa, City didn't play well, but got the point. A great point away from home and they're on. Fulham, we did not play well. We really didn't. I know it was going to go four. The four worldies, let's be honest. Forwards didn't really fire. Pretty much the same story, guys. Pretty much the same story. I know someone's going to tell me, oh, well, Nunes did well. Yes, he did. Won the ball. Composure fires it across for the Bosley to make it second. So there's a forward contribution. But let's be honest in terms of the starting performance, because it's all linked to, you know, we've played the way in and out potentially. I don't know. The forward line, especially Diaz and Mo's got a different, not a different role. I don't want to let me just reverse there a bit. 
very much we're seeing Mo Salah in a creator role rather than a finisher role. So he's not being sacrificed, people will say that, for Darwin Nunes. You could say that, or others, to be fair. But yes, he's away from the box more than the key zones we want him to be. But playing, creating big chances, the stats tell us that without doubt. But at the same time, isn't it nice that other people are coming to the party like Fulham, no forward scored, and we netted four. Look at this one. VVD, madness to leave him unmarked in the box, but if you want to do that, Sheffield United, absolutely great. So Bosley, you know, he's, you know what he's doing? Sometimes you feel again, or I feel, he's almost sacrificing his game at times for the others in the team. But midfielders, think how bad the midfield was last season. Think how bad it was and how little, practically no contribution it made to goals and assists last season. Look at the defence. Look especially what Trent is doing. He's been unbelievable in recent times. Really found a sort of purple patch. No two ways about it. Look at VVD. Matip injured. Look how good Canate was the other night. I know people were sort of saying, and this is true, he made a bit of a mistake for a yellow card. The shuffle, well, it wasn't given as a penalty, so you take that off the, the docket, but his aerial clearances, progressive passes, all those types of things. There was a lot that had good performances. Endo, maybe not hard by comparison, but easily his best game in a Liverpool shirt that way as well. Kelleher, who was naff against Fulham, makes a great save, doesn't he? A nil-nil, a great save. So, you know, give him that in the plus column as well. Joe Gomez, dear Lord, I don't think I ever want to see him at left back again. Midfield, bit mixed. McAllister, I should mention this ahead of it, not suspecting the Jürgen mentioned he's going to be back for Palace. So he came off, but Curtis thought had a, a good sub-impact. So Bosley, good game, goal. We, we know that, we kind of expect that from him. Maybe it's terrible, but Endo especially, really good. Really good from the off. So there's a lot of positives as opposed to the mixed. Mixed is the word we'd use for the performance. When we play that way in and out, Marcus is going to be injured. Joe Gomez is definitely coming out of the team at left back just by his nature of performance, I think, straight away. The forward line, I think he's going to be shaken up. It's maybe too strong because we haven't got that many options, but we'll come to the rest with the formation and the lineup prediction. Now, Palace threats. This is interesting. There's threats of a, a non-Palace nature. Another get fourth game in this many days, people. Do you know what I mean? We've done three and six. We're about to go four and eight, nine, practically, depending on when you do the timings. That's a lot. So it stretches anyone. And I know people are going to say, well, Palace played the other night at the same time. I get that. But we're away. We're against a team that's struggling. We're playing a lot of games in a few days. It's a freaking half 12 again. It's those other elements that may be non-Palace related, but they bring their threats as we're talking about there. Interestingly, when you talk about Palace, they are abject at home. They are poor at home. The amount of points their win can be counted on a single hand from their home record. I mean, they were booed off, I'm sure you've heard, in the last game against Bournemouth. They lost 2-0. And good old Hodge can't help himself give it to these people are getting spoiled. Apparently, you know, 2-0 at home against Bournemouth is being spoiled. And we could go into the Hodge all day. But, yeah, it's just got that nature, hasn't it? Watching pull one out the bag, you get that, that nervousness. But for all the other stuff, I mean, you look at Palace, they're not playing well this season. They've had injuries with key players, etc. Edward's the top scorer with seven. Not a poor number at all. Some of the goals of Darwin Nunes, in fact, but no assists as opposed to his seven assists. But they are struggling a bit. You have to be honest. You know, there's not many on like, I think, 
Mateta's on three. There's a few others like Eze's got a couple, and you know say there, that type of thing. They're carrying a few knocks. Almost seem better away from home. I mean, if you look at their home, you talk about Bournemouth the last game, one before that lost three two at home to the Ev. Stripped three goals at home against the Ev. And I know people are going to say they're doing all right, take away the points, all that type of thing. But yeah, the biggest threat for me is if you just put this on paper when games are not played, we should beat them. It's the ancillary threats that concern me more. That we are playing poor and winning at the moment. You only get away with that for so long. Sometimes when you don't win, then you're just playing poor and you don't win. The 12.30, that's the risk. They're moving into that kind of dross zone as well, which we struggle with. Usually the better the team seems the better we, we perform at the moment. The Hodge element. So there's just a few things. This is not a give me by any means. This has got all the elements of being a bit of a scrap, to be honest. And we'll come on to that in formation lineup of my predictions that way. So the formation, a bit of team news. The best news of the press conference, without doubt, Alison was back in training yesterday. I'm sure a lot of people saw it. He put it on Instagram, didn't he? The picture of his gloves. And we were hopeful. Jürgen confirms it today. Alison is back in training. There's no other injuries that he gave. There's no one back in terms of Thiago Badge, Robert, all those people that you want to mention at all as well. The only other thing he said that we confirmed, McAllister is unlikely. So remember he said against Sheffield United afterwards, he had the, the cut on his knee and he went off with that. I mean, should have been a red card for me, the way he was stamped on early doors, apparently intent. He's an okay, as Dermot Gallagher says, but it didn't seem to matter at Curtis Jones. But, you know, we, yeah, that's a different debate, isn't it? Maybe for another day. But McAllister, unlikely, as he said. So we, we've got to expect that to be that McAllister's out. Allison, debatable, isn't it? How long does he keep a need, you want to say? You talk about, oh God, if Kelleher, I think, da-da-da. Well, that's going to come to my predicted formation and lineup. Here's how I think it will go. Kelleher in net. I do not think he risks Allison. That's personal. I think, you know, he's back. United on the horizon as well. The, you know, one of the big two for us. Kelleher in net. Trent at right back, easy. Simicas at left back, nice and easy. Gomez's performance, especially, I think, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see that too often. Could be wrong. Centre back is Verge. I'm still a bit swithery on this. I have to be honest. I'm going Canate, but I'm saying it with zero confidence. And the reason for that, it's not about his performance. I think he's fine. You know, he's good. We know about his muscle strains. You're asking Canate to go Wednesday night, Saturday morning. Should be able to do it, I know. But you think about what he's got injuries, think about the way it's been. I am saying that I think it will be Canate, but Quanta or Gomez in there with VVD would not surprise me at all. So I don't say Canate with big confidence, but I'm asking to predict that so that's what I'm doing. Midfield. Endo keeps his place. Endo keeps his place also because of the basis that you have to look and say, well, McAllister's out, who's going to play the, the six, as it were. We also would say, you know, you can't really argue that Endo should be out. You say oh, teams, competitions, and all that. It was a tough game away. His best, and he was one of our better performers, wasn't he, if you're honest? So, yeah, Endo keeps his place. Curtis Jones, straight back in for me. Didn't play against Fulham at all, did he? Came on in this one. So, I, for me, Curtis Jones, I'll play his chomping a bit, a bit for straight to show what you can do. 
especially in this type where we need to maybe control it, keep in shape. We know his importance there, retaining the ball. His counter-press is exceptional. He's a really important player, so I do think he will be on the left side. And naturally, by definition, it's a Bosley then on the right-hand side for me. So a midfield of Endo, Sabozlai and Curtis Jones. Gravenberg on the bench. That is my honest prediction. The forward lie. This is interesting. Salah's one. We don't need to debate that. I mean, he came off, didn't he? He didn't do a strap. He would have voted, but he, he, he felt rested, shall we say, on this. Darwin Nunes for me. He, I don't think it's a hard decision. He got an assist. He did really you know, well when he came on at the same time. I know people are going to say, Look at that one-on-one he missed. It's kind of just Darwin, isn't it? He had everything, the impacts in the short time, but he's a chance magnet, Captain Chaos, whatever you want to call it. It's Salah Nunes. This is tough in this one. Luis Diaz, for me, has been pretty poor the last few games. Just have to be honest, we talked about his output with me and Ben Boxat when we were talking about this one. He's not been good the last few games. I would Gakpo didn't start well in the middle, particularly. I would say it's one of those where neither would surprise me, but I just get a feeling it'll be Gakpo on the left. Would not surprise me. I could we want to probably one iota if I'm wrong and it's Diaz, but I don't think he was really Cody seems to be better coming on at the moment, doesn't he? Like he's had an impact when he's coming on, like Fulham didn't, didn't really offer anything for me, particularly against Sheffield United here. So for all his faults, Darwin Nunes does have faults and he's not perfect. We love him and all that. Makes things happen. Yeah, I think you've got to get Salah and Nunes on the pitch starting this one. But I think Gakpo, I could well be wrong. I do not say that with a modicum of confidence either. But that is my lineup. So the score and scorers... (laughs) We've been doing it and I know you can say I'm contradicting myself... This is an ultimate one for me. I don't really care too much if we play a bit shit and win. What I'm looking for is a win and no injuries. Eight days is a long time till that Man U game. I know people are also going to jump in this one and go, what about that final Europa? It's a dead rubber, isn't it? I don't care if we send kids and Margaret from the canteen plays the Trent role in that one. I really don't care at all. What I care about is winning this one without injuries. However, and then you get ready for United. And when you say, no, people, yeah, you'll fly over and all that. But the focus will be hard not to drift to United from there. I think it'll be scrappy. I think it will be a 2-1. And I think Mo Salah will get his 200th goal in this one. He has a good record against Palace, does he? We have a few 2-1s. But yeah, I think 2-1 and Mo Salah will get his 200th goal whether that be the opener or the winner I think he will be on the score seat that is my prediction it's one of them rounds isn't it it's half 12 it's early win and no injuries yes it's not been the best performances but it's result period at this stage of the season the others are all fighting each other taking points it would be great just to keep the momentum of winning going wouldn't it we've seen before what that can lead to for these boys We'll take a win and no injuries, however we get it. But that, ladies and gents, was another post-conference presser for Anfield Index. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the game when it comes. And we'll speak soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. 
please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.